Well, welcome back, everybody, to Story Symbol Spirit, a podcast on how to make sense of Scripture, the only podcast that's ever been created with more than 40 episodes. My name is John McCambridge, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. I'm Jackie Mitchell. Jackie Mitchell. Jackie, how's it feel? What, to be the only podcast with more than 40 episodes? Yeah. Feels great. Feels good. And I won't be accepting any arguments on the contrary. I was going to say it feels historic. Yeah. Someone write this down, please. Now, uh, we don't have our like video of these podcasts up yet, but mm-hmm. when that comes to fruition, I would just like to point out that that in Columbus, Ohio, the weather just turned cold. Yeah. And so I decided to put on the uniform. <laughs> if you guys remember. The sweater's out. <laughs> John sweater has guy. been named the sweater guy. Do those people still go to our church? I have no idea. I have no idea, actually. Sweater guy. Actually, that was my only interaction with but that But here couple. I am in a sweater. And living up to your name. Prophetic. It was prophetic. All right, Jackie. So today we get into Genesis 27. Yeah. We're going to dive into Jacob's name, kind of your name. In a way. Yeah. Which is a a Hebrew wordplay on the word heal. Uh And we're going to see how that has, how that came to be a a negative idiom that means deceiver or supplanter because Mm -hmm. he's going to pull another stunt with his brother Esau. Uh, And... So uh, we're going to see that Rebecca, the mother, is important in this episode, much more mm-hmm. important typically than, than we, we think when we tell this story. And uh, we're going to get into the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly of this. Yeah. What do you think? I'm excited. I liked the story growing up. I yeah. thought it was interesting. Yeah, this is one of those Sunday, story, the Sunday, Sunday school stories that yeah. people hear about, right? Yeah. It's a little less common, but you, you get into it for sure. How is it like depicted? Like, how is it usually laid out for for kids? Well, I mean, even when you're a kid, it kind of seems like Isaac's dumb in the situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. To fall for this? Yeah. It's like the main thing I took away when I was a kid. (laughs) I was like, there's no way, dude, he fell for that? Like, I'm like 10 and I feel like I wouldn't fall for that. Well, there, yeah, and and when you read it, actually, even as an adult, yeah, you're like, you're oh, like, he is kind of dumb. Like, yeah, it seems like, right? <laughs> like, come on, like, something about the yeah. story is not quite right. Uh, all right, so before we get started, as always, like and subscribe, uh, leave a rating and a review. It always helps us, and share with a friend or a family member if you find this helpful in your journey of engaging with scripture. And so, why don't we, uh, why don't we recap before we get into it? Yeah. Um. So you go all the way back to Genesis 12. God called Abraham and promised that he would give him generations that would turn into a nation. And then these people would be blessed and they'd receive the promised land. And then somehow the world would be blessed in them and through them. Mm-hmm. And so God miraculously gave Abraham and Sarah Isaac when Abraham was a hundred years old. Mm-hmm. And Isaac is the promised seed. And then Isaac had twin boys, Esau and Jacob. Esau is technically the oldest, yeah. right? Because one of them comes out first. Yeah. And so Esau's the oldest and he's supposed to be the one through whom the promises to Isaac go mm-hmm. in terms of the cultural milieu that they're in, right? The oldest son. Right. The eldest son. Did you did you ever watch um the the series Succession? No, but everybody a, talks a little about? bit, but no, not really. So the show I won't uh, this is I won't give a spoiler. It's okay. But uh uh the show is about the passing on of mm-hmm. the family business and the guy who you know, started the company. His name's Logan Roy, and he's very successful, very good at it. And then his children, as you see, are all like fail sons. Yeah. Right. And so the question is like, who's going to succeed? Who's going to be the successor? And in the last episode, as the it all kind of comes to a culmination, the oldest son 
starts yelling, I am the eldest boy. I have, that's the one clip I've seen yeah. from that show, actually. I am the it eldest feels boy. like ridiculous in right. this context and culture for him to start yelling that. Right, yeah. right. But it, and so what we see here is actually like, you know, the idea that that's not how the inheritance works, mm-hmm. that that's not who the heir is, like that is still actually somewhat of a cultural thing today. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, if the eldest son is capable, he tends to take over whatever the father's yeah, created. That's true. Right? Yeah. And so uh, that's supposed to be Esau, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, but but what we saw when Rebecca was pregnant is that God spoke to her and said that actually the the older will serve the younger. Yeah. Right. It doesn't give any details besides that. Uh, and then we see immediately in the story of them interacting with each other that that uh, Esau sells his birthright for a bowl of soup sells his entire inheritance, including yeah. to be the promised seed for a bowl of lentil soup. And so uh, theoretically, the, the, the promise is going to go through Jacob now, yeah. the younger son, but there's a problem. And if we remember what it said in the last chapter when it was mm-hmm. talking about the boys and who the parents favored, Rebecca, the mother, favors Jacob. Jacob. Yeah. But who does the father, Isaac, who's supposed to give the blessing, who does he favor? He favors Esau. And it says because he brings him wild game, right? <laughs> yeah. For a, kind of a funny reason. Yeah, He's like, yeah. yeah, I like I like that the son that like brings food. me food, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so uh, what we saw in the last episode between the boys is that Esau should not be the one who carries the covenant. Correct. And not just because, you know, it's not that Jacob necessarily deceived in this instance. We said that he laid out an offer for him. Right. It was a very bad one. But it seems that Esau had no intention of carrying the promise. He had no reverence for that position that he was given, right? Yeah, it says he despised his birthright. Yeah. Right? He, he found it to be worthless. Yeah. And so he sold it for a bowl of what he called red, red stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we think about biblical faith that's been displayed so far in Abraham, who who mm-hmm. becomes kind of the archetype of, of, of godly faithfulness, uh, it's patience. Yes. And... Uh, we saw Isaac display that kind of patience last episode with the Philistines, mm-hmm. right? With Abimelech, where they're, they keep taking his wells. And instead of rising up against them, he continues to be patient and believe that God's going to deliver and God does deliver, right? Mm-hmm. And so you start to see the faith of Abraham encapsulated in the faith of Isaac. But then but then, what, 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 was, what was Esau like? He was impulsive. Yeah, the opposite of that, yeah. right? Like if, if you're going to sell your birthright, the entire inheritance for a bowl of soup. How are you going to be the covenant carrier of God that requires patience? Correct. Yeah. And and uh, and long suffering. And so, uh, this chapter we get into the question of what's going to happen. Isaac favors Esau, but God promised that the older would serve the younger, and Esau sold Jacob his 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 birthright. Yeah. And so this is like almost kind of soap opera level drama. Right, that we get in this family. Yeah, oh yeah. And this happens from time to time in the Bible when you really dive into family dynamics. Oh yeah. And that's because families are are drama. Oh yeah. Right, and so so the Bible is actually dealing with real people and real relationships. And so uh, let's pick up with the last two verses of Genesis 26, verses 34 and 35, because this is how uh, this story actually begins. And then uh, we will get into Genesis 27 after that. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Burai, the Hittite, and also Basemoth, daughter of Elon the Hittite. They were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Yeah, so so uh, Esau was 40 years old when he married as well. Yeah. And we talked about the number 40 last time and how it represents testing, mm-hmm. and then God doing a new thing after that test. 
And uh, so when he's 40, he finds a wife. He actually finds two wives. But yeah. what do we notice about them? They're Hittites. Yeah, they're Hittites. Yeah. They're Canaanites, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. we keep doing this and no one likes to go back to the table of nations. But if you go back to the, to the table <laughs> of nations, Noah had a rebellious son named Ham, right? He was the one who gets cursed. And his offspring, Canaan, gets cursed. And one of Canaan's son is Het. Mm. So the Hittites are the sons of Het. Is that the actual literal Hebrew? The sons of Het. The Hittites. And so uh, they're Canaanites, mm-hmm. right? And what was Abraham absolutely crystal clear with his servant about when he sent him to find a wife for Isaac? The wife should not be a Canaanite. She can't be a Canaanite. Right. Yeah. Right? Uh, has to be a kinfolk of mm-hmm. Abraham. That's why mm-hmm. That's why he goes where he goes, to the well that he goes to. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly who Rebecca is. And so what does Esau do? He finds not one, but two wives and not from the family clan at all. <laughs> yeah, two Canaanite wives, yeah. right? Uh, so, so, so that's not good. They were a source of grief yeah. to Isaac and Rebecca, yeah. right? Okay, so let's paint the picture of Esau so far. He's a mighty hunter, mm-hmm. right? A skillful hunter. And the other person we said was a mighty hunter in the Bible is Nimrod, mm-hmm. who's uh, the son of Cush, who's also from the line of Ham. And uh, he's uh, Esau's impatient. He's almost animalistic, impulsive, very much unlike Abraham. He does not regard his birthright, which includes the responsibility and privilege of carrying forward the covenant. In fact, the text says, as we, as we mentioned, he despises it. Mm-hmm. And now he's married Canaanite wives. Mm-hmm. So biologically, Esau is a son of Abraham. Mm-hmm. He's a son of the, the seed, Isaac. But in his life, who does he act like? Canaanites. Yeah. So he acts like a Canaanite, does not act as the one who should carry the covenant forward. Um, one of the things that we're going to see is there's this theme when, when Israel has the promised land and then there's all these years of rebellion against God and worship of Canaanite gods and Assyrian gods and Babylonian gods. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of the exile, the punishment that God brings upon them is basically, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. You want them? You want those gods? Go live there. Yeah. Right? Don't don't live here with my temple. Mm-hmm. And so the the Babylonian, the, the Syrians first, and then the Babylonians come in and they and they exile the people to the land. Mm-hmm. And part of that is like, well, that's what you said you wanted. So that's how you're going to get treated. Yeah. Right? I'm not going to treat you like my son Israel if you're going to act like the Canaanites. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna be treated like the Canaanites. And and so so uh, keep that in mind as we look at Esau, who's who's basically in all for all intents and purposes acted like a Canaanite this whole time. Uh, so so Isaac, who has faithfully fought, followed in his father Abraham's footsteps so far, should know this. Mm-hmm. He should see this, discern this, right? Mm-hmm. Remember vision in the Bible. It's like he should be able to see with the eyes of God who the covenant and who the blessing should go through. And so let's see what he does. Mm-hmm. Twenty seven one through four. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. (laughs) Here we go with the food again. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And so uh, Isaac is nearing death. Mm-hmm. and he's blind. Mm-hmm. The, the Hebrew says that his eyes are dim. Mm-hmm. His vision is dim. And so far in the story, like we said, sight or vision 
lifting up your eyes and seeing mm-hmm. represents what? Wisdom. Right. Yeah. So the initial fall was that they saw what they weren't supposed to have. Mm-hmm. They saw that it was good, so they took it, right? They weren't seeing with God's with God's eyes. They were seeing with with their own eyes. And so that's that's always the choice. You can see with your own eyes uh, and see dimly mm-hmm. in sin, or you can see with God's eyes and you can see clearly, you know, true wisdom. Because the last chapter we talked about how Isaac was walking like his father Abraham and that this was a good thing. And we saw that in the interaction with Abimelech and the ministry of wells and altars and, and the patient faith like his father's. But here we see the symbolism of sight and Isaac has now lost his sight. Mm. So story, symbol, spirit, we, we are claiming that the symbolic level is more important than the material level. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in terms of the symbolism of sight, he's lost it. Mm-hmm. His wisdom, his ability to see through God's eyes. And so that that could be an ominous sign yeah, if that's indeed what this is symbolizing, right? And so he he tells Esau to go get him some wild game because he loves it so much. And that's actually mm-hmm. why he loves Esau and prefers him to Jacob. And he says to, to, that he's going to give him a blessing. Mm. And the, the, the Hebrew here, the wooden Hebrew is something like prepare a savory dish for me as I love and bring it to me that I may eat so that my soul, mm. my nephesh is the Hebrew, my soul may bless you. So it's not just like, hey, let me say some nice words to you before I die. Mm. It's, it's, there's a, an emphasis and an intensity of this that I may bless you with all my soul. Mm. And so I think, you know, part of the reason it says this is because what he's intending to do here is he's going to give Esau the blessing, mm. not just material inheritance, but the covenant that's supposed to go through him. And even though Esau is all of the things that we just said. He's already sold his birthright. And he's already sold, he's already despised it. Yeah. And sold it for a bowl of soup. And he married Canaanite women. And he's impulsive, mm-hmm. uh, like Nim- he's a hunter, like Nimrod, and 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 he's a source of grief for Isaac and Rebecca. Mm-hmm. So why would Isaac still give Esau the blessing and the birthright? Yeah, it's like if you're reading this, it's like can't you see what we just all read? Right. Do you not know what's happening in your old household? Right. Mm. And so I think it's you know this is the intention of someone who's lost God's vision. Yeah. Here's what God has laid out for you know, what the promise carries. Isaac's mainly worried about who makes the best food or who hunts the best game, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, I think it's supposed to be comically yeah. ridiculous. It's ridiculous when it's not you making decisions, but I'm sure there's, you know, just just in all of our lives, there's times where like we value something so seriously yeah. and to God, it has to look ridiculous. Right. The things we're holding on to right. that are not his values. Right. The way that it clouds our judgment because we want yeah. it in the moment. And, and Yeah, like a hunger almost for mm-hmm. food. That yeah. that something would cloud our judgment just because we want it so bad. Right. And you, and you see this in relationships sometimes, yeah. right? Where it's like, you know, you, you want to get married and, and you have this person that, that you know, you, you think that you love and you're a Christian and maybe they don't love God, but it's like, ah, well, you know, I want this thing. And, yeah. and, and so you kind of go forward with this and it's not wise, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that doesn't mean that God can't work through it and do things, but- you're saying that you do get those kinds of urges and hungers mm-hmm. that it's like mm-hmm. it clouds your vision. And so so Isaac is blind physically, mm-hmm. but he's also blind spiritually. He's lost his vision. Mm-hmm. And so as you can tell, if the blessing in the covenant goes through Esau, it's a disaster. Mm-hmm. And so let's see what happens. We'll, we'll do five through 13. 
Now, Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but if my brother Esau is a hairy man and I have smooth skin, what if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So in comes Rebecca. Yeah. Right. And she kind of comes in hot here. What, uh, what did you, you know, growing up Sunday school, learning the Bible, what did you like, what was emphasized about Rebecca? It, it's her that's plotting this. Yeah. To, to me, that was like the biggest thing was that it doesn't seem to be Jacob's idea right. at all. Right. So there's this interesting thing that can happen in interpretive traditions where, you know, we've kind of been trying to dispel the notion that, uh, that Jacob is a deceiver, mm. right? Because that's kind of the way that, like even the, the, um, the headings mm-hmm. in the English Bibles that we have will be like, Jacob cheats his brother out of his, his blessing, mm. uh, tricks his brother out of his birthright. Yeah. And then you read the story and that's not actually really what happens. Yeah, that's true. Right? Like that's not exactly yeah. what happens. And so here, um, you know, Rebecca is not talked about much in the in, in terms of uh, the, the way people talk about this story. Mm-hmm. And what I want to put forth here is that uh, Rebecca is the most important person in the story and she's the hero of the story. Mm. So uh, Rebecca in Hebrew, uh, the every Hebrew word has three consonants mm-hmm. as a root and uh, R, you know, the transliteration is RBK, mm. Rebecca, right? The Hebrew word for bless is BRK. It's very similar. Barak. Yeah. Right? So so that's what her name is a word play mm. on that. And quite honestly, what we've seen from her so far is that she is blessed and she's blessed because from the beginning, she's shown faithfulness and love and regard for God's covenant promises. Mm-hmm. If you remember in Genesis 24, she's given the choice yes. by her brother Laban. Yeah. If she, if she can stay or she can go and marry Isaac. And she immediately chooses to go with Isaac and she doesn't waste a single moment. She says, I'll go now. And then you learn about who loves who. And it's like, well, well uh, Isaac loves Esau for his ability to hunt. Mm-hmm. And all it says is that she loves Jacob, mm. right? She loves him for himself. And so uh, she knows these boys. She's the mother. And... Uh, What's the role of the mother? To protect. Yeah, the mother is supposed to protect the seed because the, the, the prophecy by God in Genesis 3 is that the, it's the woman who will have yeah. enmity with the serpent. And he, God has also revealed to Rebecca, not to Isaac, to Rebecca, mm-hmm. the course of these boys' lives, right? Right, right. So she knows this already. Right, yes, yes, exactly. And, and you know, we saw this, uh, we, we, we saw this, uh, when uh, Sarah protects mm-hmm. Isaac from Ishmael, mm-hmm. right? And we look at that and we're like, oh my gosh, she cast out the, uh, she cast out Hagar and Ishmael. That's that's mean. But in reality, she's protecting the seed, mm. Isaac. 
And so, so here it's kind of like, well, she likes Jacob better. So she's going to make sure Jacob gets the blessing. That's mean. It's like, no, she's protecting the seed. Mm, mm-hmm. That's what the woman does. The, the woman, the mother is the one who does battle with the serpent mm-hmm. and protects the seed mm-hmm. that will one day crush the serpent's head. That's, that's the role of, of the mother. And so this is what she does here. She protects Jacob from Isaac's blindness. Yeah, really. From his dim decision. And so she hatches a plan, which is quite a, uh, it's an interesting plan. Quite, quite a plan. Yeah. And she tells Jacob to go uh, uh, get her some some meat, and then she's going to prepare the savory food that that Isaac likes. And then she tells uh, Jacob to pretend to be Esau. Yeah. Do this and receive the blessing. And so, so like I said, the the header of this in English sometimes is Jacob deceives his brother out of his blessing. But what actually happens here? Yeah, he says, I don't want to deceive my father and then be cursed. He's like, I don't know if this is a good idea because this will be deception and then that will be bad. Which, yeah, indicates that he wasn't deceiving Esau earlier. Like we said, he laid things out plainly. So far, he hasn't deceived. Right. He doesn't want the curse to come upon him. Uh, And so then uh, what does Rebecca say? She says, let the curse fall on me. Yeah. She says, do what I say. Let the curse fall. I'll take the curse upon myself. Mm-hmm. And so let's push that forward, right? We've been talking about Christologies, yeah. you know, uh, um, uh, pictures of Christ. Uh, how does Paul describe Jesus? Mm-hmm. You know, he says that cursed is the man who hangs on a tree, which is from Deuteronomy 21. That's part of the law. Cursed is the man who hangs upon the tree. So what does Jesus hang upon? A cross, a tree. Yeah, a tree. And... Uh, he takes the curse that is sin that leads to death upon himself. Mm. That's that's the the uh, the crucifixion act of salvific grace that happens. He hangs on the tree and takes the curse of sin upon himself because cursed is the man who hangs on the tree. Jesus says, I'll take the curse upon myself. Mm-hmm. Rebecca is displaying a foreshadowing of the sacrificial love right here. And so all of this to protect the covenant. And so it's actually Rebecca who deceives Isaac. Mm-hmm. And yet the deception is a foreshadowing of the sacrificial love of, of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. for, for the covenant to come to fruition. And so uh, she knows, like you said, that the older is going to serve the younger mm-hmm. uh, uh, because that's what God told her yeah. when she was, was pregnant. And uh, so she puts herself right in the middle of this to protect God's will and to protect God's desire and to protect the seed. Uh, so let's do 14 through 17. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebecca took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goatskins. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. Yeah, so she, so they're going forward with this plan, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> so she, she prepares the food. He, he takes it to Isaac. And, and so like, you know, the idea that this is deception is fair, mm-hmm. right? Because this is, they are, they are deceiving uh, Isaac in this moment. Uh, and so um, I don't think that Jacob deceived Esau the first time, mm-hmm. right? I think that he said, I'll sell you this bowl of soup for your birthright. And Esau was like, okay, fine. Yeah. But here he's pretending to be Esau. Yes. You know, yeah. he's pretending to have hunted this wild game. He's covering his hands and forearm and neck with fur because Esau is hairy. Yeah. He must be really hairy. That's crazy. 
Like imagine like putting like a animal skin on yourself. It's like, this is what your brother's skin feels Yeah, it like passes. They're like, oh, this is definitely him. This is Esau. It feels like Esau. <laughs> um, and so this is deception, but it's important to keep in mind that Jacob was hesitant about it. Right? Mm-hmm. He didn't really want to do it. It was Rebecca who came up with this idea and puts it into action. Yeah. Right? Jacob is sort of just doing what his mom tells him to do. Yeah. And so I'm not saying he doesn't bear any responsibility, but but when you read the story, it's pretty clear that Rebecca is the catalyst Very of this. Very true, yeah. Yeah. And so let's do uh, 18 through 26. He went to his father and said, my father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, Before we started this episode, I asked you how familiar you were with this story. I said that, like, when you read it, you're like, how can Isaac be that dumb? (laughs) I know. Because he even says, oh, this isn't Isaac's, or this isn't a, this isn't Esau's voice. This is Jacob's voice. Oh, well, but it's its hands, so. (laughs) But you're furry, so I guess... It, I guess it's you. It's like he knows something's up and then he's like, are you sure? Yeah, like, yeah, I always find it strange because it seems like he's on to, to it, you know? Like yeah. it seems like he kind of like sees it. Uh, but, and, and so again, um, he asked Jacob, who he thinks is Esau apparently, to bring him some of the game to eat so that he can bless him. And the Hebrew is so that my soul may bless you, mm. right? So he's going to give the blessing, all of his soul, all that he has, all that he is, he's going to give it to Jacob, who he thinks in this moment is Esau, because Jacob put fur on his hands and forearms and and neck, right? So let's do 27 to 29. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. So this is the blessing. Yeah. Right? This is the blessing that he gives to him. He smells his clothes and it says it smells like the open field, whatever that means. And so he believes it's Esau. Mm-hmm. And he blesses him. And the blessing that he gives him is 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 with his whole soul, right? Yeah. He says, may God give you the dew of the sky, right? May he give you the rain that brings life. May he gives you the the earth's richness, that the actual Hebrew is the fatness of the earth, mm. right? Mm. Like the, the abundance of the earth, mm. much wine and grain. These are all markings of prosperity and blessing. And, and then he gives him, this is the part that that is that is quite, quite, Remarkable. He gives him the authority to rule over his brothers mm-hmm. and his mother. Mm-hmm. And so the blessing of the patriarch Isaac enables the blessed, who he thinks is Esau, to accomplish this, to rule over his brothers. And so uh, the will of Isaac is for Esau to rule over Jacob. Yeah. So it's not just like, oh, I like this son better. I'm going to give him a better blessing. He is literally 
trying to pass on the 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 you know sonship of this mm-hmm. to Esau to yeah. rule over Jacob who God wants to have the blessing it makes you think that Rebecca and Isaac never had that conversation after God revealed that to Rebecca right or if they did Isaac didn't believe her right like yeah. maybe Rebecca said like, Hey, this is what God told me. Mm-hmm. And Isaac said, well, I like this son better. And he's the first. Right. Or, or, or that, or that he strayed yeah. or something, you know, there's a moment in the book of judges where, where Jephthah comes back from battle. And before he leaves, he says, you know, if God gives me this victory, when I come back, I'll sacrifice the first thing I see when I come to my house. Oh yeah. I remember that story. And it's like, well, why, why would you say that? First you of know? all. And, and, and then, uh, and then he goes and he wins the battle. He comes back. The first thing that comes out of his house is his daughter. Yeah. And he sacrifices his daughter. Yeah. And and it's like, well, why? Like, why did he do that? And yeah. it, it is a picture of what it looks like when you stray yeah. from God, right? Uh, uh, Jephthah was not, you know, walking with God. And so he ends up doing the exact opposite of, of what God Correct. wants yeah. him to do, right? The story of Abraham and Isaac is a story of how that's not what God desires. Yeah. He does not desire your children sacrificed to him. It's, yeah. it's, he's a different kind of God who wants different things. And yet Jephthah somehow is so spiritually blind that he comes to the exact opposite conclusion mm-hmm. and sacrifices his daughter. Mm-hmm. Well, here, this is exactly the opposite of what God wants. Yeah. Right? What, what Isaac is trying to do. Mm-hmm. He wants the blessing to go through Jacob for all the reasons we've discussed. And he, and independently of just him telling directly Rebecca this, you know, Isaac should have the discernment of the Lord to just see anyways, that God's given him and commanded him to discern and right. steward this gift well. Right, right. And, and you know, as you walk with God, you, you start to be able to see with his eyes and discern with his will. And so it's a, it's a picture of, of somebody who's not. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's blind. Yeah. right now. And so he's giving the covenant to Jacob and he thinks he's giving it to Esau. Um, at, at the end of this blessing is is basically the same language that you saw with Abraham, right? May those yeah. who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. That's the continuation of the covenant, mm-hmm. right? So it is a passing on, not just of the material inheritance, but of the entire covenant. And so mm. um, this is what he thinks he's doing. Now, Let's, let's see how, how it shakes out, 30 through 36. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came in, and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he's taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? All right, so Esau comes back, cooks up the food, brings mm-hmm. it to Isaac. He says, arise, eat some of this game so that your soul may bless me. Yeah. Right? So he's ready for it. And Isaac says, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> who is it? <laughs> I always think that's funny. <laughs> who are you? It's like there's like two sons. <laughs> so it's like, you know, who, who are you? 
uh, he tells him, it's me, your, your firstborn, mm. right? The heir, mm-hmm. it's, it's me. And Isaac, I, I guess, is beside himself. It says he trembles violently mm-hmm. and tells him that the blessing has gone to Jacob and he was blessed and indeed he will be blessed. Mm. And Esau says, well, bless me too, right? Like, can I, can I get a little bit of that, break me off a little piece of that blessing too? Yeah. And, and Isaac says, You're, no, I can't. Yeah. Your, brother, your brother took it from you. And this is where Jacob's name, heel, becomes an idiom, right? Uh, He says, it's right that you're called Jacob, heel, because he has, it says you're taking advantage of me, but but I I think he has tripped me up is the idiom, right? To be be tripped up. And so uh, uh, to grab the heel now means to deceive, to trip someone up with with lies and and deceit. I think it's so interesting that Esau even comes to receive the blessing after how much he despised his birthright. Yeah. Right. That he knows he sold it and it wasn't really deceitfully. Mm. It's almost like a moment of you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like he didn't want the responsibilities of the birthright, but when it came time for the blessing reserved for the heir, he's like, Oh, that's for me for sure. I'm the firstborn. Right. Yeah. Because think about like you, you want, you know, you want the dew of the sky. Mm Mm-hmm. You want the fatness of the earth. Mm-hmm. You want the blessings. You want the abundance. You want the kingdom of God type stuff. Just the question is, do you want to do you want to serve the king? Right. Yeah. I mean, that happens in, in churches all the time. Christian churches across. You know, everyone wants to know, like, why won't God give me X, Y, or Z? Mm-hmm. And regardless of whether X, Y, or Z is something you should have, which mm-hmm. is a very real question that that most people don't reflect on. Uh, the other question is like, well, are you walking with him? Yeah. Like, why do you think you should receive the covenant blessings? Yeah. Like, what what, what about your life? I mean, it's like, well, I, I asked him, I prayed. And it's like, I know, but it's not a vending machine. Like, yeah. like yeah. but are you, if you walk with God and you accept all that comes with that, then of course you, you receive blessings on top of right. blessings on top of blessings, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy, right? Mm-hmm. It might mean that you're hungry might mean that you can't sell it all for a bowl of soup. Yeah. And Esau, like like so many of us, my, I mean, myself included, he wants the the kingdom without the king. Yes, absolutely. He wants the blood. Like that's, you know, it's not to, to get into much of a philosophical, cultural, uh, you know, tailspin here. But this is like when people want to deny God, uh-huh. But then they still want the main framework of the Judeo-Christian ethic to yeah. be the defining feature of our culture, yeah. right? Like secular progressivism is—I mean, one of the reasons it's—it's it's very stupid as a worldview—is because you remove the source of everything that they want. Yeah, there's like a couple ethical issues where they differ from the church. But for the most part, it's like, we should all be kind to each other. We should love the least of these. We should give to the yes, poor. We should do all this stuff. Everyone's created equal. Uh, but the entire story and reality of where yeah. that comes from and what that's founded on is, is not true. Right. They want the, they want the blessing mm-hmm. without the blesser. Mm. Right. Uh, and so the, the same thing is, is happening here, I think. Uh, and um, Jacob, the name mm-hmm. for the deceiver, you know, bringing up the rear from behind, like, yeah. like, like in a military context, but now it means to deceive or plant because grabbing his heel, he's tripped him up mm-hmm. according to Esau, which we also see a lot of times, right? Where it's like, you sold your birthright for a bowl of soup. And now the story that you tell 
is that he tricked you yeah. out of your birthright. Right. That's what he right. says here, right? right? And that's what we do with sin. And that's what we do with our decisions yes, as well absolutely. and responsibility, yeah. right? And so this is all like, you read it and in this context, because of the the actual circumstances, it seems ridiculous. And it's like, no, all of this happens right now Yeah, with us. We're yeah, like this. Absolutely. We're like Esau in a lot of ways. You absolutely, know? yeah. And we're like Isaac in yeah. a lot of ways, blind and, and all this stuff. And so uh, he finally, he ends that, the section you just read with, is there a no blessing left for me? Yeah. Uh, and so Isaac does give him a blessing. Mm. And 37 through 41, this is what he says. Isaac answered Esau, I have made him Lord over you and have made all of his relatives his servants. And I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke off from your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Mm. Yeah, so Isaac explains uh, what he's given to Jacob. He's made him Lord over Esau. Yeah. He's given him everything. He blessed him with his soul. Yeah. And uh, then he gives Esau a, a, a sort of blessing, a mm -hmm. prophecy, mm -hmm. right? And he says, you know, what it says here is you will live away from the fatness of the earth or the richness of the earth. Uh, I think that probably a better translation is next to. Okay. So you will live next to the the fatness of the earth and, and the dew of the sky. Now, remember that the promised land is the fertile crescent mm -hmm. and anything outside of that is more arid and desert-like. Yeah. So if you think about Israel, uh, when, it, when it comes to take the promised land, Edom is next to it. Mm-hmm. And it is in a more arid, dry place, mm -hmm. right? And so it doesn't have the fatness of the earth. So this is like a real, you know, quite literal prophecy that he's that he's talking about. He says that that you'll live by the sword, mm -hmm. and you'll be subservient to Jacob. He says that you'll you'll throw off his yoke at some point. So all of this is is real. The sons of Esau become the Edomites. And the Edomites live next to the promised land. They live next to the fertile crescent, next to the fatness uh, or the richness of the earth in a more arid climate. And without the fatness of the land, how do you survive? It's very hard. You have to work the earth. You got to work the earth and you got to pillage and do violence against mm -hmm. other people and mm -hmm. take their stuff. Yeah. Right? So he says that, that they'll be violent warriors and they are, right? They live by the sword. And they have to conquer rather than subsist off the bountiful land. Yeah. And at some point in the biblical story, the, the, this relationship becomes defined by anacity, mm -hmm. right? Now, it starts, and what you'll see going forward, 20, the Israelites have been delivered from slavery in Egypt, and they come to Kadesh, which is on the outskirts of Edom, and they ask if they can pass through mm -hmm. to get to where they're trying to go. To go around is hard. So can we just come through? We, we mean peace. And... Uh, Edom says, no. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you do, we'll kill you with the sword. Mm -hmm. So what was the prophecy? They live by the sword. Yeah. Very in line with that prophecy. Then in 1 Kings, it says that Israel de defeats the, the Edomites and they become Israel's slaves, mm -hmm. servants. They start to serve them. And then in 2 Kings 8, it says that Edom revolted and set up a king of their own to this day. Mm -hmm. And so they serve. And then at some point they throw the yoke off of their neck, mm -hmm. right? And so 
Um, it's exactly like the biblical prophecy from Isaac. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? And then, uh, so, so these are the things that you see in the blessings. We're going to get to Jacob blessing his 12 sons, and he's going to give this incredibly symbolic blessing. Mm-hmm that I don't know how deep we're going to go into it, but we could do episodes on it because, yeah. you know, look at what's happening. I mean, he's he's prophesying the the future story of Edom and Israel, yeah. right? And uh, so so this is what the this is what the, the, the blessings mean and how they, they kind of can come to be interpreted. And so uh, it ends with Esau vowing to kill his brother Jacob. Yeah. What was what was the first story about twins? Cain and Abel. What happened there? Cain killed Abel. Yeah, so it's starting to look like that, right? Yeah. Uh, and and so this is, it's not good. No. It's not mm-hmm. a good relationship right now. Yeah, it feels also like Esau's got a little bit of the same motivation as Cain does, right? That mm-hmm. he's not been faithful to what he should have been as the apparent heir, mm-hmm. right? Comes time for him to, you know, potentially receive the blessing, mm-hmm. and he doesn't. Just like Cain in his improper sacrifice, doesn't receive the blessing from God. And God says, if you follow me, you'll do well. Yeah. Yep. But Esau harbors hate in his heart for his brother, just like Cain does for Abel. Exactly. And so uh, that's kind of where it seems like this is going, right? Yeah. So then uh, in comes Rebecca again, mm-hmm. the, the savior in this story, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, I'm not saying Rebecca is the savior, Rebecca's the savior in this story. And Mm. so let's read 42 through 46. When Rebecca was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. <laughs> it's drama. Please, yeah. <laughs> it's drama. So, so you know, the mother, the protector of the seed comes in again and she protects Jacob, mm-hmm. right? Now, uh, in in uh, prosperous, you know, uh, uh, tribes or, or clans like this, there's servants all over the place. Mm-hmm. So it says she heard what Esau was planning to do. So it's probably that Esau was talking about it in front of the servants and they came and they told Rebecca, right? Just like Downton Abbey. Yeah, exactly. Just like <laughs> Downton Abbey. And so uh, she once again protects Jacob. She sends him to stay with Laban in Haran. Mm-hmm. So you remember that from the story, right? When, yeah. When the uh, Abraham servant found Rebecca. She was, her business was being handled by her brother Laban. Yeah, Laban. Laban was one who who was negotiating and uh, offered Rebecca the chance to stay and all those things. And so because uh, Jacob now needs a wife, mm-hmm. I mean, he's the seed. Yeah, He just received the blessing from his father mm-hmm. and there's drama with his brother, but this, the, the, the promise is gonna go through him. He needs a wife, can't be a Canaanite, mm-hmm. right? We, we, or we, already, we were already told that. Uh, that's already been made clear. Yeah. He was not to be a Canaanite, but Jacob, who is the seed, Jacob's wife, is not to be a Canaanite, mm-hmm. but must be a kinfolk. And so she sends Jacob there, both for protection and to find a wife yeah. who's not a Canaanite, mm-hmm. right? And so we'll see that this is not necessarily a fairy tale ending for Jacob because he does not have a great time with Laban. No, no, not at all. Uh, but he does find uh, non-Canaanite wives, right? Yeah. From 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 the from yeah, the, his own his own kinfolk, 
And so we will later see how the brother's conflict comes out. What I want to foreshadow is that the, the, it does not end like Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. Right? That's interesting. Yes. And so that is how this story ends is going to give context to things like Paul saying that, you know, quoting Malachi and saying, for Esau I've hated and Jacob I've loved. Yeah. What does that mean? What is Paul talking about? We talked about this last time. He's talking about the broad context of the story of Jacob mm-hmm. and Esau. And so we're going to see how that how that plays out. Mm-hmm. It seems like Esau is going to find Jacob. But when he does, they're going to have to fight to the death. That's what it seems like right now. Mm-hmm. It's not how it ends. Mm-hmm. And so even in the midst of this kind of drama and in, in, in these kinds of ashes, God brings healing and redemption. And, and, and we're going to get to see that. Uh, and so we'll get into that over over the next couple weeks. Uh, but I think that the thing that's important to see here is a couple things. Number one, Rebecca's the hero of the story. Yeah. Rebecca's the Christ-like figure in the story. Rebecca's the one who puts herself in the middle of this and, and uh, accepts the potential curse of deception to come upon her. And she does this because she's being the, the prophesied woman doing battle with the serpent. Mm-hmm. Right, having enmity with the serpent and protecting the seed who will one day crush the serpent's head. And discerning where Isaac can't. Isaac's blind. Rebecca can see. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I read an interesting commentary on this that said that uh, once, once uh, Isaac kind of comes to and he, and he starts talking to Esau and he shakes violently, mm-hmm. he's, he does seem to be upset that that he was deceived. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like in refusing to, I mean, who says you can't take the blessing back yeah. and give it to Esau? Right. It's almost like he comes to see. Mm. And in that moment, because of Rebecca, Isaac, as he's dying and, and blessing his sons and setting up the future, comes to mm. and repents and doesn't take the blessing back. Interesting. He kind of comes to understand that he's been blind, Mm -hmm. that he's been seeing wrong, but who helped him see? Rebecca. Rebecca. And so, um, you know, there is sometimes a tradition in, 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 you know, Christianity or or whatever that, that uh, the idea that, you know, women kind of take a back story of the Bible is Mm -hmm. is really not true. And no, not at all so far. and, and, And listen, this is not me trying to make a cultural point. Like if it was true, and it's scripture, then I would follow it. Mm -hmm. And I would interpret it like that. It's not true. Mm -hmm. It wasn't true with Sarah. It it hasn't been true with Rebecca. Um, And then then what I will argue is that by the time we get to Christ, all is said and done, the the second most significant person in the entire Bible is Mary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? And so as Protestants, sometimes we rebel against the veneration of Mary that you see in the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. And so we don't talk about her. Mm-hmm. That impoverished theology. Mm-hmm. Mary's the, 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 the carrier and the birther of new creation. What's the Greek word that you... The Theotokos. Yeah. She's the Theotokos. The, the God giver is yeah. what that means. And so um, uh, Mary is the ultimate fulfillment of what is prophesied in Genesis in mm-hmm. Genesis three of the woman who does battle with the the evil one has enmity with the serpent and then brings forth the snake crusher. Yeah, 
And Rebecca's a picture. Sarah's a picture, mm. right? You see this over and over. Uh, one of the interesting things, and, and we'll talk about this when we get there. I'm not going to talk about it now. When you get into the books of Kings and you read the new king, uh, that, that king is obviously the first king's son. Mm-hmm. So that's his father. Mm-hmm. But then guess who it always lists? Mm. His mother. Mm-hmm. The queen mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the king is important. Um, but the next most important person is the king's mother. Mm. Well, why? Because this. She gave birth to him. Yeah. Yeah, and because she's the she's the one that's supposed to protect the seed, right? Yeah. So when you see the king's going astray, the mother is implicated in that. Mm-hmm. And when you see the king's doing good, the mother is implicated in that because uh, the 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 mother, it, like Mary, is the second most important person mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. in that in that moment, right? Not the commander of the forces, mm-hmm. not the head of the council. It's the the queen mother. And uh, Mary's the fulfillment of all of that, right? In mm-hmm. in in Christ. But here you see Rebecca is is the hero, and Isaac is the antagonist. And maybe he did repent at the end, but Isaac's the bad guy in the story, right? Yeah. He's saved by his wife. Mm-hmm. He's saved by the queen mother. He's saved by by the 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 woman in the in the garden who's who protects the the seed and does battle with the serpent, and um, so. That is that is oftentimes not told in this story, mm-hmm. and it is the entire point of this chapter, mm. right? And so we're going to see what happens with Jacob, the protected seed, as we go forward. Get him twice here, and uh, that's an important thing to understand. Mm. Yeah. So next week, episode forty-three, we've got uh, Genesis twenty-eight, and we're really we're really getting through this thing. You got anything else today? That's all I've got. We're all half over halfway through Genesis. Oh now. yeah. Genesis 50 chapters, so we're getting there, right? You guys, there's we'll just, make it out there's just, Genesis. There's just one more generation left after this, right? That's Jacob true. It, it gets sons. real, like, we're going to focus on Jacob and his sons for the rest of the story. Yeah, yep, yep. All right, so so next week, Genesis 28. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for joining us. We will see you next week on Story Simple Spirit. Mm-hmm.